Independent wrestling is pretty damn fucking cool. We're sitting down in the spotlight and squirt circle with Rhino. And we're trying to bring more awareness to the independent professional wrestling scene. Undoubtedly thankful for anybody that just decided to tune in and actually liked us enough to keep listening. And welcome to Grapple Talk, the flagship edition here on the Grapple Talk Network. I'm Jesse Von Ruden, of course, joined via Skype by Nick Ragnar. Now, Nick, man, what a busy week in wrestling, but we got to get to a topic right away. I think that's near and dear to your heart is uh, your young dog, Brady. He's, he's under the weather. What's up with that? Yeah, uh, that's kind of why we're on Skype today, and it's kind mm-hmm. of unfortunate. Uh, he he had a seizure last oh, wow. night, late last night, Sunday night. Um and, you know, being the dog people that me and Zari are, we decided that we didn't want him to be at home for eight hours by himself today. She works overnight. So I uh, called in. I called in sick. I got into the vet at 10 o'clock this morning. I uh, had a radio interview at 835 for the shoot job. Um, but other than that, I, I've been able to work from home. I brought my laptop home. So I, I got actually quite a bit of work done. It was kind of nice. It's almost like sometimes you might think that your uh, your office space is almost distracting. But uh, I got a lot of stuff done at home. And, uh, you know, he's he's a lot better than he was last night. So we're, we're thankful for that, obviously. Uh, no, nothing wrong with him as far as the tests are concerned, uh, according to the vets. So uh, we're kind of just at a... Uh, play it by ear sort of situation with the dog right now but yeah scary stuff last night but uh you know i'm happy to be here talking to you right now and and saying that he's uh he's doing good i'll definitely give him a pet for me you know because uh me and brady we kind of got a love hate relationship i love him and he hates me <laughs> so that's one of those things you yeah know? yeah definitely um and uh i think before we move any further i know that we we kind of bounce around topics when it comes to this show and mm-hmm. and we have a lot of fun doing it and there's sometimes there's anger sometimes there's laughs and sometimes we get serious, and uh, this is going to be one of those serious times. I think we're kind of late to the party a little bit, but we just want to uh, kind of, uh, you know, I, I think this is a moment, and I, I always say this, I'm not very good at doing this, but um, kind of our, our way of commemorating Prodigy from the Ross Family Matters podcast, a guy that we know um, from our time in wrestling, uh, just a fantastic dude. And um, unfortunately, I uh, took his life a couple of weeks ago. Um, everybody that was close to him, everybody that knew him, um, very taken back by it uh the ross family matters podcast had an episode in which they celebrated his life you can listen to that on the grapple talk network uh really touching stuff his uh wife spoke um in his honor to kick off their episode number five which is the last episode he was a part of they recorded it um before his passing and uh you know i i I tried i tried doing this on the rgg podcast and i'm just like i said i'm not very good with words but, uh, but yeah, just a really tough time because, you know, me and Prodigy, uh, we're not like the best of friends. In fact, I wouldn't even say we're, we're great friends or by any means, but every time that I saw him, every time he made his way down to lacrosse and when we'd see him at wrestling shows, just a great guy to be around. And a lot of people said it, they didn't have a bad thing to say about him. And, and for me, it wasn't even that it's that I don't have anything but great things to say about him. Um, whether it came to my gaming podcast or, or gaming channel or, you know, stuff I was doing outside the ring or the Ross family hot sauce stuff. Um, just always a great guy to be around. Always knew how to put a smile on your face. And, uh, you know, definitely uh, what I kind of learned is a, in, in, over the past couple of weeks, a guy that I wish I just got to know a lot more because it seemed like there were perfect opportunities. And I felt like if, if we would have been able to spend more time together, we would have gotten along quite well and, and even been uh, great friends. So um, very unfortunate passing of him. And uh, Jesse, I know that you probably have a, a couple of words to say about him as well. You know, James was, he was one of the good guys in the business, you know, he like, you know, sometimes you meet some really big motherfuckers, you know, in this business, but James is always one of those nice guys. Um, 
you was probably involved in like my favorite SWU match of all time. I don't know if you remember that match, Nick. It was Prodigy against Tiny Love. Yeah. Now, now this is it's just it was a throwaway match just put together for no apparent reason by the Booker at the time, and they went out there in like seven minutes, told one of the best stories, got probably the best pop I ever heard at the the Ruba Garden, you know. So, and it was one of those things where I think it was kind of like leading into. God, it was like leading into the Winter Rumble that year. So, like, the promoter Chris Hansen, you know, a good friend of the podcast as well, you know, he always hit up everyone. He's like, hey, man, we're looking for ideas for the Rumble winner because I think it was for the title that year. And I, I threw out James's name. I'm like, hey, what about Prodigy? And he's like, that's really intriguing, you know. And, uh, you know, it was very much like, you know, he can build it off this uh, underdog type of thing, doing it for his family, doing that. Because like, he loved his little daughters, like, to death. Yep. Man. That, that was, yep. like, his pride and joy. Like, any time you talk to him, always, like, a smile ear to ear when you bring up his daughters. And, you know, he loved them to death. Um, and it was like, you know, eventually it wasn't, you know, the way it went, you know, with him winning. But he didn't have to. But he hit me up out of the blue. And he's like, hey, I want to say, you know, like, thanks for throwing out my name, you know, like – means a lot and I was just like I was taken back by that because you don't really get that a lot in wrestling where you you say something nice or you go out your way and just like you know like pitch an idea for a guy that you actually get like some correspondence back you know like I was just like hey man no problem you know and we're always cool you know god it's like it's it's very unfortunate like the situation because it kind of I think it took a lot of people off guard you know, because it came out of, like, literally almost, like, nowhere. But, you know, that that's, like, the scary thing about suicide and, like, mental health. You know, there's always this weird stigma about it. And if, like, if you need any help whatsoever and you have thoughts leaning towards that direction, you know, people are there. People are always there. And there's p- places you can get help at. Like, the National Suicide Prevention Hotline, 1-800-273-8255. You can always visit them online as well at suicidepreventionlifeline.org. Um, another friend of the podcast, you know, Chris Hansen, we brought him up a few times already. He works for a, uh, well, he helps out with a nonprofit organization called Project Seth down in Illinois, um, geared towards more young adults, you know, because I think it's a, it's a troubling thing for a lot of young adults. And, Nick, you know, it's like one of those things that as we get older, we, we know more people who end up, you know, tragically, you know, dying way too soon. So if you want to give Project Seth a – check over you can visit them at projectseth.org because like we had another one this past week as well that kind of caught a lot of people off guard as well yeah definitely and uh you know it's uh it it is just really unfortunate and uh i I think what's really difficult about it and you hit the nail on the head jesse when it Mm -hmm. comes to um talking about suicide and things like that and people just thinking you know that they have these problems and how can they deal with them and whatever thoughts are going through their head you know, I, I listened to that Ross Family Matters podcast, a lot of emotions going through their celebration of Prodigy's life. And, you know, it's tough uh, and it's and it's hard to kind of get through to some people that might be having those difficulties. But I think the important thing for a lot of them to know, and I know they hear this a lot. So what does it mean? But there's definitely always somebody out there to, to talk to and to listen to and to try to work through some of those struggles. You know, um, there, there has to be just one person that somebody can dial, somebody can visit, somebody can talk with. Um, to help them get through those issues because, you know, as um, as Lane, uh, Jack Spade, whatever you want to call him, uh, said on their podcast, you know, um, at the end of the day, a lot of people, you know, if, if you're ever at the, at the breaking point where you think, you know, the world is better off that I'm gone, the people around me are going to be better off if I'm gone, 
99.9% of the time, that is a hundred percent of the time. That's not the case, right? A lot of us are hurting because of it. And, uh, you know, and we're on the outside looking in Jesse. I mean, we weren't the closest, bestest friends with prodigy. We weren't, we weren't his family, like, like, like his daughters, his wife, um, the, the, the Ross family. Um, and a lot of people are really hurting over it. And, and a lot of people are wondering what could they have done to, to change that, to change what happened. Um, and so they, yeah, like you mentioned, the most important thing that anybody can do if they're going through these struggles, just to let somebody know that they are having them and try to work through those problems. Because I can tell you what, those people definitely will be missed. Never think that you're not worth it because you absolutely are. You, yeah, you make a difference in other people's lives, regardless of how you feel about yourself. It's definitely true. You might not think you're worth it, but to someone else, you're definitely worth it. Absolutely. You know what, Jesse? Uh, mm-hmm. We're going to get to wrestling talk here in just a sec, but uh, why don't we just take our first break to kind of to, to break up the emotions. We'll be back with more Grapple Talk after this. Hey, everybody. This is RGG from the Regular Guy Gaming Podcast on the Grapple Talk Network. I think it's safe to say if you like wrestling, you also like games. So join me and my co-host, Ragbag, as we talk about old games, new games, games we love, games we hate, special guests, interviews and of course ragbags love for luigi mansion that is all on regular guy gaming check us out yes i'll take my eggs over easy and i'll take my podcast deach and dash that's right the deach and dash podcast hosted by me gorgeous jordy lee available via the grapple talk network it's about to get weird we're gonna talk some wrestling maybe some life probably and definitely gonna ask whether you prefer ketchup or mustard catch us via the grapple talk network and wherever ipods are available to you ipods or podcasts god i'm the worst and welcome back to grapple talk and now nick nick i gotta i gotta gotta, we gotta bring this up you know we're we're a couple weeks after Takeover and Survivor Series, we're going to keep this... Dude, we're a week after. You know, it feels like a couple <laughs> weeks, you know, because it's just like the way, it, way yeah. it goes. Like, we wanted to get together, and we, we had some heated fucking, you know, emotions about both of these shows, like the pros and cons and all that stuff. And I yep. think a week later, it's just like, man, it's just another another two wrestling shows. I mean, what yep. what can we add to it that hasn't been said already? Right. Um, I don't think there's much that we can really say, um, but I do think it'd be interesting to hear our opinions on both uh, just the shows. We'll touch on it really quick just because I know a lot of people are probably burnt out by all the negativity or all the other opinions that have been shared about the shows. But, Jesse, mm-hmm. TakeOver, I thought overall, was a pretty decent show. If you haven't watched it yet, you're an NXT fan, or if you're not an NXT fan and you're just a fan of wrestling, I think it's definitely pretty interesting to tune into because there's a lot of different uh, – there's, there's a lot of – variety here there's a lot of different matchups um and obviously you have the war games match at the very end um personally i thought the the almas uh mcintyre match was phenomenal the velveteen dream and alistair black match was phenomenal a lot of people have been commenting on um you know so i, I think even if you look to the earlier match what was it was it hero and sullivan is that correct yeah um that match was also really really good the war games match was was pretty good too um, so, so yeah, I, I think overall, this is just, you know, to me, basically another NXT pay-per-view in which they knocked it out of the park. And, uh, you know, I think that's, that's almost become, um, what you expect nowadays from those NXT takeovers. Yeah, definitely. The coolest thing about these takeovers, no matter what, is the runtime, two and a half hours. It's perfect. They get, they get in, they get out, they tell the stories they need to, and you're invested in all these matches and the crowd is not burnt out by the sheer amount of just garbage that you would normally get in a WWE pay-per-view 
which, you know, most of the time, nine times out of ten, most WWE pay-per-views are actually legitimately, like, awesome. It's just yep. they, these takeovers are on a different level. Kudos to NXT. You know, you always wonder if sooner or later the bus, you know, like the wheel's going to fall off the bus, you know, and they can they replicate the magic from previous takeovers. But they just keep on refueling and refiring on all cylinders. So really looking forward to the takeover coming up in January in Philly. That's going to be a lot of fun as well. Yeah, definitely. And uh, real quick wrestling news for some of you that might be wondering, uh, Drew McIntyre did suffer an injury in his matchup against Cian Almas, and uh, they're projecting him to come back sometime in April. So I think the hope there is that he'll be back in time for WrestleMania. Will he, you know, be headlining the one of the takeovers uh, leading into Mania, or will he possibly be one of the surprise entrants in the Andre the Giant Battle Memorial? Uh, I guess uh, only time will tell. Yeah, you know, Nick, if you had to pick the two, would you want a main event takeover or be in the Andre the Giant Battle Royal? You know, at this point, I think you'd rather main event uh, a takeover because as we saw from um, past years, sometimes you get lost in the shuffle even if you do end up winning the Battle Royale. So I don't think mm-hmm. it really means that much for a, for a uh, prospect's career. Um, plus, you know, the big thing for Drew McIntyre still is, you know, just being able to um, you know, work out the kinks and, and try to eliminate that uh, that perception of, you know, 3MB and his kind of past life in WWE. So I think the longer that he spends in TakeOver, unlike some of these other guys like a Nakamura and a Bobby Roode, the better, just because he has some, some stuff to kind of shake off from his previous run in WWE. And definitely. So what's up next for Almas? You know, if you're fantasy booking at this point in time, which is always something we do here on Grapple Talk, and a lot of people don't like it, but you know what? Fuck them. You know, I love doing the fantasy booking. <laughs> so you got Almas, who's a red-hot heel champion on, on NXT right now. And it almost seemed like for a while there, they were kind of gearing up towards a McIntyre-Adam Cole program. But, of course, with McIntyre being out, can't really necessarily do that. What do you think is next for Almas here? Oh, man, that is uh, – that's the million-dollar question, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think at this point – and I, I actually – I really – um liked the the idea um i think i got this it was either from um the voices of wrestling podcast or or somebody else but i kind of like the idea of moving forward to the next takeover and doing just a nice one-off main event um and that would be including pete dunn um your current uk champ uh have him go head-to-head with um cn almas in an nxt championship match they don't need to work a program you know just try to put together a real nice main event a real nice uh matchup that a lot of people will be talking about as a possible match of the year candidate um until you can kind of figure out where you want to go i because i i i like adam cole a lot but i think they should really focus on the undisputed era continuing their reign uh before they decide to throw adam cole into the main event um i think adam cole definitely has a takeover match with Roderick Strong ahead of him before he possibly gets that title shot. So I think what you do here, I think, you know, I, I heard this and I'm, I'm totally ripping it off, but I think a Pete Dunne, um, Cien Almas main event, UK champ versus your uh, NXT champ for the NXT championship, in which obviously we'll put Almas over, um, would be would be a great, a great thing for both of those guys. I think it would put NXT on the map. I think, uh, like I said, I think that's definitely – a five-star quality matchup waiting to happen. You can let Adam Cole finish out his feud with Roderick Strong, maybe get the win there, and then move on to the NXT Championship. Um, otherwise, a lot of people are also pointing to Aleister Black, but I, I still think that him and Velveteen Dream have another match in them too. So 
Uh, who knows? Uh, I think the Pete Dunn thing's a good idea just to let these other feuds develop a little bit because I do think we were probably most likely slated for a McIntyre-Almas rematch. Um, and I think you slide in the Pete Dunn there and you let these other feuds continue to build until either Adam Cole or Black is ready, uh, probably two takeovers from now. Yeah, I really do. I'm intrigued by that Dung feud. You know, that that, that sounds really good on paper. Um, I think one you can always do as well is, like, you can slide Gargano in there, especially if it's a oh, one-off. Um, you know, and if it's one of those things where you use Gargano basically as a placeholder, at least for one takeover, you know, because, like, you know, Chiampa is coming back at some point in time. So, you know, that might be a nice little way to reintroduce him there as well. So it's just going to be a lot of fun to see where NXT kind of goes with this. And I kind of agree. I don't think we're done with Dream and Black at all. Like, those two guys had really good chemistry in that matchup. Yep. I like the dichotomy of the characters. And I thought one of the things that might be interesting, too, like maybe going forward, I'm not really too sure when the Dusty Rhodes Tag Classic is going to be. But oh, I could you want to see the whole... Yep. I, I could see those two guys teaming up. There's just something there. I think like opposites attract, and it's almost kind of like a like an Austin dude love type of thing, where yep. you know it adds another dimension to both of the characters. You could definitely see it maybe possibly coming well, down the road. And I don't think I don't think Velatine Dream can spend much more time being the heel. I think he's 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 proved himself to be too good in the ring and just too good with his mannerisms and too good at being his character to continue not being cheered. And this is that that would be the perfect opportunity too to kind of keep black out of the NXT title spotlight because I think you have a lot of these feuds that you want to build. Obviously when McIntyre comes back, he'll probably be shoved back in that scene. Um, like we talked about, you have Adam Cole there as well. Um, obviously Almas is now a guy that can, that can be in that, in that spotlight. And then, as you mentioned, Gargano would be a perfect candidate to be there because he was probably one of the hottest, if not the hottest NXT performer um, before Ciampa went down. So um, um, yeah, I, I would think that'd be a great idea for NXT moving forward, but who knows? Uh, I think that me and you are probably wrong 90% of the time when it comes to our fantasy booking. Yeah, that is definitely true. Cause like nine times out of 10, we're terrible for our fantasy football lineups as well. That's just the way it goes. Um, the coolest thing though, about almost talk about a guy who was probably on, on the cutting floor there for a second. He might've been one of the guys let go. He reinvents his career. He gets a new fresh coat of paint. And it's one of those things where you can change the perception of a character overnight and you can make him credible. Yep. Absolutely. Uh, it's it, it was hard not to cheer for the guy. I know he's working heel. I know he's got the the, the shit manager or whatever, you know, that's Oh, getting she's doing her... a fucking phenomenal job. Oh, too. she's doing a great job. Yeah. By shit I meant like, you know, in kayfabe, dude. Like yeah. she's uh she gets her she gets her nose she puts her nose in places it doesn't belong. She's dipping her hands in the cookie jar after midnight when she's supposed to be in bed. Um, but, uh, yeah, she's doing a great what job. What kind there. of accent was that, man? I, I don't know what that was. Yeah, I don't, I, I'm yeah. not sure. But, but yeah, but you know, they, they tried their hardest to make him the heel, but it was so hard not to cheer for him in that championship matchup just because you're like, man, you know, this fucking dude deserves everything right now. I mean, the, the work that he's put in, um, and as you mentioned, kind of working his way from the very bottom uh, to holding up that title is, uh, you know, it, it's a pretty cool spot in wrestling, especially for a lot of us that, you know, have like that um, – extra interest in in the booking and in the guys that we know put in the hard work behind the scenes so it's definitely good to see where you know how far he's come all right well moving away from takeover to survivor series uh the battle for brand supremacy between raw and smackdown this was an interesting pay-per-view nick i gotta admit um it was one of those ones where it, it went too long 
but it did deliver some really good moments. And we probably should start out with probably the highlight of the night, of course, Brock Lesnar and AJ Styles. Yeah, it was a really good match. Uh, I don't think there was much more to say about it. It definitely, I think it lived up to expectations. I think a lot of people thought it was going to be good. I didn't really, I don't think there's a lot of people that said it was going to be bad. I mean, you had your average, you know, oh, Brock Lesnar's just going to kill AJ, which it started out that way. And then all of a sudden you had this phenomenal, uh, no pun intended, matchup between the two where you actually at some moments were like, oh, maybe, maybe if uh, they didn't tell us that, uh, you know, SmackDown was up 3-2 going into the match, we would have thought that SmackDown or AJ might have had a shot to beat Brock. But Nonetheless, um, uh, just a, a great match there. I don't think it necessarily hurts AJ at all, just because Brock has been built as this unbeatable god. And uh, and yeah, it, you got you got your 15 minute minute match out of Brock. So for all you haters out there, uh, just please shut the fuck up. I okay, couldn't, I couldn't all. I couldn't say it better, Nick. You know, um, definitely it was it, a career defining moment, really, for Styles and for Lesnar as well. Cause like he didn't have to be as like unselfish as he was in that matchup and really got a lot of, got a lot of legs out of this match. And it's one of those things where I can definitely see these two guys locking horns again. Maybe with both belts on the line. I, I think that'd be a credible main event somewhere down the road as they decide to go that way. Yeah, definitely. And, uh, and yeah, speaking of, uh, you know, now we're just, now I'm just going to talk shit, but, uh, <laughs> Well, you know, speaking we of, went like almost 12 minutes without talking shit about something. Well, it's not much talking shit, but, you know, just speaking of people defying odds and shutting people up, goddamn, dude, Roman Reigns and Miz put on a fucking Raw classic the following night. I know we're still talking about Survivor Series, um, but, damn, those two guys had a really good match, and I am just so fucking sick. You know, I get it. I don't like Reigns either because he's being shoved down people's throats, and we all know that he's going to be Brock Lesnar at WrestleMania for the belt, and blotty, blotty, fucking blah, but, but man, you know... It, if you if you fucking tell me that Roman Reigns can't work and one more fucking time and then he has five moves of doom and whatever the fuck, I'm going to fucking – I'm going to have an aneurysm because <laughs> I can't handle it anymore, dude. This guy, him yeah. and Miz, who I'll, honestly are probably two of the most shit-on people in the biz today, I think for at least for work rate, as far as work rate is concerned, had probably the best Raw match I've seen this year. So I think that says quite a bit. It was very entertaining. It was like 20 minutes long or something like that. And, uh, and yeah, I, th I think uh, if you haven't had a chance to watch that yet, go get yourself a Hulu account for free for six days and uh, tune in and watch that matchup because it's, uh, it's definitely a pay-per-view quality match that I think, honestly, was almost as good, if not better, than a lot of things that we saw on Survivor Series the night before. Yeah, I got to agree. It was a very good match, and both of these guys have, like, tremendous chemistry together. I almost wonder if, like, this might be something that you could revisit next summer where you know if Reigns does have the heavyweight championship where you can have the Miz come in as a heel challenger and you kind of got a built-in feud there um I think it's a smart idea putting the Intercontinental title on Roman Reigns I know a lot of people say it might not be but you gotta look at it this way like this is a good way for he to heat up the guy give him some credible title wins and if you do decide to go Lesnar Reigns you can definitely do that but if you don't decide to do Lesnar Reigns, you have something there for for Roman Reigns going into WrestleMania where it's not going to be distracting everyone else. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I think personally it's a it's a pretty good idea. Um, you know, I think Miz for how good he was at what he was doing, I do think that the title took a little bit of a plummet with him as the IC champ just because I think he got lost in the shuffle a little bit there, even though he was on a three hour show. Um, I think this is an opportunity, like you mentioned, for Reigns to kind of 
you know, hopefully um, take what John Cena said about him to heart and uh, try to make this title something bigger than it than it was previously. I think he has the ability to definitely do that. Will he? I guess we'll find out whether, uh, depending on the booking here over the next couple of months with who his opponents will be at the uh, the next few pay-per-views. Yeah, it's almost one of those things where maybe they stick him in there with like a guy like Samoa Joe at the next one. Uh, you know, you could definitely see, you know, Reigns and Finn Balor maybe at Rumble. I know we're kind of getting ahead of ourselves a little bit there, but that's another credible matchup right there that hasn't really been done. You can really do on a big stage like that and get the most out of Roman Reigns. Well, and just think about that, dude. That's another great part of this universal title run from Brock Lesnar is mm-hmm. we can have Roman Reigns versus Finn Balor, Roman Reigns versus Samoa Joe, Roman Reigns versus whoever the fuck on the Raw brand for the IC title. Now, I mean, it just it's it seems like to me that's like universal title. That's headlining stuff right there. So, um how can they not try to bring more credibility to this championship? Um I think Miz is the perfect guy to start that feud off with. Uh, because, you know, Miz, honestly, I think he gets the best out of Roman. Uh, he sells for him like a motherfucker in those matchups. They tell great stories. And he is basically probably one of the only guys on the roster that can get heat um, and get Roman Reigns over. So I think this is the perfect way to start him off leading into the, the WrestleMania season. And uh, honestly, I'm kind of excited for it. I know we're just creeping up on the start of Raw here. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how he how he does on his first night as champ. Uh, another program that was kind of maybe kind of hinted at on Raw and, of course, at Survivor Series as well. A potential Braun Strowman Triple H program. Now, Nick, I got I to gotta pick your brain on this one. Is this the right call? Oh, man. <laughs> I know. I, I'm like, I want to pick oh. your brain if I ask a question and all of a sudden your brain just, like, takes a shit on you. I don't think so. I don't. I no, don't. I really? really? Don't. I don't. Yeah, I I don't know what the benefit is of Braun Strowman going over Triple H here. Um, obviously, we always talk about it. We talked about it last year. You know, anytime you work at McMahon, it's a rub, blah, blah, blah. I mean, it was kind of the selling point on AJ Styles' WrestleMania match. But for me, I just I can't see what the benefit would be for Braun Strowman here. I really don't. I, I, I still think um, the best thing that you can do with Kurt Angle at this point is there has to be a culmination of – him and Triple H. Now, do I think that, honestly, the best thing for Angle to do is put over his heel, quote-unquote, son, Jason Jordan at Mania? Yeah, probably, but if that's not going to be in the cards, I, I just I don't I don't know what, what Triple H coming back to, to fight a Braun Strowman does for either guy at this point. I don't know how that puts over Braun Strowman because I think at Survivor Series, we already saw what Braun Strowman should do against Triple H if they were to go head-to-head in the ring. Yeah. Uh, and literally, the only thing that would come of it would probably be Stephanie McMahon and Triple H dressing Braun Strowman down on the mic on Monday Night Raw, which to me doesn't seem worthwhile for the feud. So, um, yeah, I think overall that it's not a it's not a good route to go, and I really hope they don't do it, even though I'm pretty sure they're going to. Yeah, definitely. It's one of those things where you can probably, like, duck and weave until the rumble and H eliminates Strowman, and then you're off to the races right there. Because, like, more than likely, you know, you can do, you can do Triple H, Jason Jordan, coming up here because you got to do that at some point in time. I, I think that'd be, you know, for, for Jordan, I think it'd be a good litmus test to see where he's I at. I don't, I don't think so. You I don't really think don't. So? I really don't. I think, I think you got, I think you got to pull the rug out from everybody. Like they continually try to do like when it came with triple H pedigree and Kurt angle, I think you really need, you really, really, you know, we talk about with reigns a lot. You got to turn Jason Jordan heel. He's getting Rocky Mavia heat right now. He needs to be turned heel. He needs to kind of uh, 
you know, it, it'll be easier for him to kind of exemplify who he is. He's this cocky athlete asshole. I, I think it, I think what you have to do is you have to put him on the side of the, the side of the authority, and I think you have to put Jason Jordan one on one with Kurt Angle. I think that's that's I, what you. I also think you have do, to do, but like, there's got to be like a mental breaking point for Jordan. So like, like him picking a fight with Triple H and losing is one of those great mental breaking points, especially if like oh, Kurt, especially if Kurt comes out there, right? So if you're looking at like a good story build where, you know, maybe Jordan's actually kind of, you know, he's losing quite quite bad, you know, and like Kurt comes out there, but like in Jordan's mind, Kurt coming out there actually cost him the match. Then you have a really good way of actually having him turn on his dad. I'm just saying, dude, the, you know? the what, I, what I just said about the broad angle, the yeah. one thing that Triple H and Steph are really good at doing is totally shitting on their opponents. Well, that's definitely true. And I don't, I don't want to watch four to five weeks of them coming out there and just totally shitting Jason on Jason Jordan to the point where he can't, there's no coming back for him because that's exactly what would happen if they were to build some program where those two guys go head to head. Um, I, I don't, I don't know how you do it. I don't know if you do it on one of these upcoming Raws where Jason Jordan slowly hints towards a turn. I don't, I really haven't thought, thought that far ahead, but I still think the ultimate goal would be Kurt Angle, Jason Jordan program. And Jason Jordan goes over and becomes a big heel in, uh, in 2018. Now, when it comes to Triple H, obviously he has to have a WrestleMania match. Does that mean we get uh, fucking Braun versus H? I don't know. Maybe maybe our payoff is that Braun just fucking squashes H at Mania. I have no idea. I don't know what their plans are. But, you know, if that's the case, then yeah, sure. Fuck it. I don't care. Well, I'm looking at the upcoming pay-per-view schedule. And it appears that SmackDown yes, is the only one. What you're doing right now, but your mic is going in and out. Do you have oh. your hand in front of it or something? Actually, no, I don't. Um, I might just be moving the cord on the phone because that's uh, the connection, you know. So. Now you sound good. Now you sound good. Okay, cool. So anyhow, the next pay-per-view coming up will be Clash of the Champions, which is a SmackDown-branded event. And then, we, of course, we won't have another Raw pay-per-view until Royal Rumble. And then one, of course, in February for Elimination Chamber. So, you know, that kind of, like, shoots the rug out a little bit there when it comes to possibly doing some of these programs and trying to just get them out before we have an opportunity to actually move on. Yeah. Yeah, and that's that's kind of the difficulty of it. I guess, uh, you know, it's more of a reason to turn into Monday Night Raw and just see what they're going to do over the next couple of months. You know, I still – and, again, I, 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 I hate to keep talking about heel turns because it's like I'm just trying to – you get a heel turn and you get a heel turn and you get a heel turn, but I still think – at the end of the day, Dean Ambrose also needs to to turn a heel at some point because, boy, do I think he would be like a top one-two heel in 2018 going up against Reigns for that belt. You know, I think he's shown it with the Shield. He was definitely missing the edge that he had with the Shield when he first came up as as the babyface. You know, I I hate to be that guy, man, but his match with Brock fucking sucked. Um, yeah, it did. I, I, I don't. I don't think he's had a very good babyface run for like the past year. I think he was hot out of the gate when they first did the brand split, but since, you know, he hasn't done shit. I think he needs the heel turn. I don't think it's, I don't think it's beneficial for anybody just to mutually part ways. And obviously I think Seth, Seth has flip flopped too much to the point where he needs to stay as a babyface and would be a great angle with a face Seth and a heel Dean moving into WrestleMania. Yeah, definitely. You know, cause because what else are you going to do with those two guys at this present moment? Right. You know, yep. like you can you can have them vie for tag team supremacy. You know, that's a yep. that's about it. Um, I think the only time you actually had an opportunity, like 
it almost like they put the kibosh on Ambrose there. You know, he had the he had the opportunity to actually take on Triple H when Triple H was the WWE champion. And good he, match. He could, it was a good match. And you almost wonder if, like, that would have been the perfect time to pull the trigger on it. was yeah. right there and right then. And yep. he just ended up being a placeholder there. And, of course, he kind of slid down the card after that. Had the Brock Lesnar match, which, you know, we were pretty high on, like, coming in. We're like, this could be really interesting. This could be really good. And then it just turned into, I don't know, just fucking crap. So, yep. what are you going to do about that, though? All right. Well, well, okay, so while we're still talking about it, let's just get it out of the way then. What are you, What were your thoughts on the Survivor Series match? Because that's obviously the main event and what a lot of people were talking about because it ended the show. Um, You know, I had to watch it in two parts because I was trying to watch it one night, and I, I just got tired because the show was too fucking long. It was like four and a half hours of my life just down the drain. Um, it. It was interesting, and I'm going to say it was interesting for a few reasons. Some of them were not good. Some of them were actually pretty good. It was interesting to see that much star power in a match. You know, yeah. you look at it, like, both both ends of, like, Raw and SmackDown were just stacked on stacked. Uh, the bad part was you had to eliminate these guys, you yep. know? So it's like, okay, how, how, do you, how do you progress eliminating these guys? Which ones stay towards the end? And for me, like... I'm, I'm not, man, why the fuck did Shane McMahon have to be the last guy for Team SmackDown? I don't know. And honestly, dude, my big gripe with it, and again, it just comes down to booking. And if you, you're not going to remember how everybody performed the entire show. You're going to remember that lasting scene, especially when it's branded as SmackDown versus Raw. And to me, in that match in particular, based on how the eliminations went and based on the shenanigans later on in the match, I got the impression that SmackDown is incredibly inferior to Monday Night Raw. And it was large in part because Shane was the last guy. I don't know, man. That that was That's what I got from it. And, you know, the guys that you really wanted to see shine that needed to, you know, like a Finn Balor. Um, I mean, even like a Bobby Roode, he had a fun spot with Triple H, but it didn't really go anywhere. You know, guys that you needed to kind of build up there for SmackDown. I just personally felt like they didn't get their shine. And, uh, and yeah, I, I honestly really, really didn't like the match. I know a lot of people are like, oh, Nakamura had a good moment where he beat up like eight guys. Go back and watch any fucking Survivor Series match from the past fucking 100 years. And almost every time any dude with any sort of name value whatsoever gets eliminated, they fucking go on a fucking waterfall spree the, the 30 seconds before they get eliminated. It happens every fucking match. But what you remember is that Nakamura, he got he fuck, he got he looked like a little bitch out there. I'm sorry, but he really did. He got to do his fucking knee spot and do a couple Kinsashas. Who the fuck cares? And it just bothers me because at the end of the match, Jesse, here's what we had, right? Mm -hmm. We had fucking Triple H, who hasn't we haven't seen since when Mania. I don't know the fuck we last saw him. We had Kurt Angle, who in that match, he, he admitted he had, like, a, something wrong. He, he was injured. I mean, and it was very evident that he yeah, was injured. Yeah, he's got a fucked he, up hamstring, thigh. Yeah, he looked, yeah. Like, he looked like an old man. We had Braun what the, Strowman. What the fuck was Fair up enough. with Angle's, like, gloves? What the fuck? Yeah, I don't know. That's yeah. dumb. We had Braun Strowman, who, okay, he should have been there. He yep. probably should have been the last guy to begin with. And we had fucking Shane McMahon. Now, I tell you that, and then we look back at who entered the match and to me, that makes you go, what the fuck was WWE thinking with this booking? What the shit? How does that make 
How are, how are you building stars? Finn Balor, to me, felt like he was invisible the entire time. This dude was the first ever Universal Champion, and you'd want to build him to some sort of special program with somebody, and it felt like he wasn't even there for a majority of the match. Like, what the shit, WWE? Bobby Roode and Nakamura had their shine at the beginning of the match, but all of a sudden felt like mid-card afterthoughts when they got eliminated and we were down to Randy Orton, John Cena, and Shane McMahon. Somehow, someway, John Cena also felt like absolutely nothing during the match, which some people argued was great because, well, you know, John Cena's already had his moment in the, in the sun. Does he really need to have his moment at this Survivor Series? But for SmackDown's sake, I think, yes, he absolutely needed to. By the way, what the shit is up with John Cena not having to wear a shirt? Is, is he's a free agent? Does, yeah, still he's, doesn't make he's, sense. A, he's, a, he's a free agent. He's a technically a free agent. Up. Yeah. Fucking stupid. It was it, that that to me is fucking that that's stupid as shit. And okay, so then you have him gone. Randy Orton got to come in and do a little bit of a, a shine uh, before he got eliminated. And all of a sudden, you're just gonna pick on Shane McMahon with these three rod guys, two of them in which shouldn't be in the ring in the first place. Like, dude, to me that makes that that, that is just god awful booking. And I'm not trying to sit here and shoot. And honestly, like I say all the time, I I do, you know, say that. Half the time, I don't. I'm probably not right, and I'm probably not making sense. But to me, that match was garbage. the bu- the The booking of the match was garbage. You know, I gotta agree. You know, the I think the big thing they were trying to do with the Shane McMahon thing was try to push further the Kevin Owens, Sami Zayn, Shane McMahon thing. And I ended up reading like a interesting fan theory on the Reddit's. You know, like you know, I don't really go on the Reddit's a lot, but this one actually kind of perked my interest a little bit. It was very much. Ah, uh, the the beginning of like a civil war between Shane McMahon and Daniel Bryan there for control of SmackDown. And a lot of it, it was probably going to be Bryan thinking that Shane was putting himself ahead of the SmackDown brand, which storyline-wise, if you really think about it, he's kind of done that, you know? Yeah. Where the last three months, you know, he's been in the main event scene, you know, the thing with Owens and Zayn and now like the Survivor Series matchup. And it's like... Who's the fuck to say that Shane McMahon's in better physical shape to wrestle than a Daniel fucking Bryan, you know? Yep. So, I don't know. It could be really interesting to see where it kind of goes. Um, and I got to agree. Like, SmackDown, for as much star power as they had, for guys who were over like fucking Rover in that matchup, they were they were very much made to look like scrubs. You know, I agree with Finn Balor. Finn Balor got the benefit of the doubt for being one of the last four guys on the Raw brand. But you're also looking at two part-timers and one of the guys, they're really pushing like fucking Rover, you know? Yep. So yep. I think it was just by process of elimination that you stick him where you stuck him. Yep. And it's, I think it's just really unfortunate. I don't I don't think, you know, I, I think it's hard for that the Raw brand to benefit having two part-timers. And again, it's not even that they're part-timers. It's the fact that Triple H out of nowhere is like, yeah, I'm in the match now. And it's like, okay. And then Kurt Angle's in the match, which kind of made sense because it was supposed to be Angle versus Shane, right? They're 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 leaders. Yeah. You know, they're the guys that can kind of wrestle still, but are kind of just there for emotional support, whatever. But I just think there could have been so many better ways to do it, in which instead of putting them in the match, because now at this point, you know, Angle had a decent showing at TLC, but at this point, I think he kind of killed the the whole like, oh my god, he's going to come back and he's going to wrestle thing. I, I just think at this point, it's kind of ruined. Mm-hmm. You know, I think I still would have been better to to wait to have that 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 big you know one on one singles match at the rumble or at uh at mania 
I, I think you really ruined that a little bit here. Uh, similar to how you know you you kind of ruined the mystique of of Nakamura over the past couple of months. I think they just it was it was wrong booking. I think you could have probably accomplished what you did accomplish by you know maybe um. I don't know, maybe having Angle and Shane on the outside watching their guys compete, maybe have Triple H come out and, and pedigree Angle on the outside to throw off Braun or something. I don't fucking know, but but I think there was different ways in which you could have done this because, you know, for being one of WWE's uh, proclaimed four biggest pay-per-views of the year, um, it did absolutely no favors for any of the younger guys, I, I think, at least in that main event. That's oh, yeah. just what I think personally. Not younger, but, you know, the guys that you want to get over that are – are hopefully going to carry your brands after WrestleMania. That is definitely true. And if you if you wanted to do champion versus champion, like some of the matches, I understand. There's also a pay-per-view coming yep. up next called Clash of the Fucking Champions. You could have yeah. done it there. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, and it's one of those things, like, maybe, you know, if Team Raw, if you really wanted to fucking have Raw versus SmackDown, you could have had the Raw team basically have, like, you know, the fucking guys in the shield, you know? Yeah. You know? Exactly. And you could have, you know, took out Shane McMahon. You could have done something else with Nakamura or done something. You know, John Cena didn't need to come back. I know you're trying to get star power, but you didn't need John Cena to be there. You could have put the New Day there. Fuck, you could have, like, not wasted arguably, like, your two best wrestlers on SmackDown and Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn and did something with them. I mean, I know you're trying to tell this fucking storyline that they're, you know, anti-SmackDown, but fuck, have have them do that while they're in the match. Have them back out or have them lay down for a pin or something during the matchup to, to get over that storyline instead of wasting their talents on the fucking pre-show, Jesse. These two guys are arguably, like, aside from AJ Styles, maybe Orton, depending Nakamura, depending on how you feel about them, they're best guys in the ring, and they're working the pre-show. Why? That's, I don't know. Why? I don't know. Because, Come on, man. Because, need, oh, because, yeah. because in a month – then we can go. We can have a quick promo on SmackDown where Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn go. We were on the pre-show and we're pissed about it. Like, Basically. give me a fucking break, dude. That that's, is not. That's not enhancing a story. What's enhancing a story is having them out there for the fucking main event and sabotaging their team, opposed to just coming out there randomly and throwing, you know, letting Shane McMahon chase them off with a chair. Because that's fucking. That that makes sense. It definitely does. Hey, come on. This is the same company that, that basically had a new star in the making with Dolph Ziggler at the same fucking pay-per-view two years ago, and they shit the fucking bed with that. Oh, it, yeah, they did. Yep, they yep. did. And now look what Dolph Ziggler's doing. He's coming out to Undertaker's theme music. Yeah, what so. a fucking scrub. All right. Speaking of scrubs. Hey, Nick, you know, I never really got into the TV show Scrubs. You want to know why? Why? Oh, I just thought it was overrated. Much like our uh, podcast network, and make sure you subscribe to it. But we're going to take a quick commercial break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about Batista a little bit. You know, those are some rumblings. Maybe the, you know, the animals coming back. We'll find out more and see what Nick is actually more pissed off about, Batista coming back, or perhaps, you know, just, I don't know, fucking something else. I like Batista, man. I like him, too. I like him, too. Drax. Yeah. Who doesn't like Drax? Fucking hipsters. That's who doesn't like Drax. Oh, come on. I thought Guardians of the Galaxy is, like, the perfect movie for, like, those, uh, I want to be a comic book guy, but I don't read comics. Okay, real quick, before we go to break, if I were to tell you that Guardians of the Galaxy 2 is one of my favorite superhero movies this year, would that make me a hipster? No. Okay. No, you know what would probably make you a hipster? If you said, like, what? uh, one of my favorite superhero movies this year. I don't know. I don't even know if there was, like, a, like an offbeat superhero movie that you could say was, like, the best one of the year. You know? They're all pretty good. Spider-Man was really good. Spider-Man was great, man. Watch Spider-Man? 
No, <laughs> I'm just saying it was great. I got a oh. funny story about that that we can talk about on the on the back end of Grapple Talk. Alrighty. Hey guys, this is AC Riley reminding you to check out the Riley Factor only on the Grapple Talk Network. Join me as I talk wrestling, interview wrestlers in my Spotlight and Squared Circle segment, and much, much more. What are you waiting for? Head on over to iTunes and subscribe to the Grapple Talk Network today. And as always, support independent wrestling. Hey, Grapple Talk listeners, this is Chris from Spot Monkey Media. Are you a professional wrestler, a promoter, a business owner? Spot Monkey Media is graphic design for the wrestling professional. We offer design services for t-shirts, event posters, 8x10s, logos, and even ring gear. But if you're not in the wrestling business, we work outside the ropes. Go to SpotMonkeyMedia.com for more information. Spot Monkey Media. Create your legacy. And welcome back to Grapple Talk here. Nick Regner, Jesse Von Rudin. We're, uh... We're in our favorite part of the show, Nick. This is the part of the show where we actually got fired up about like a bunch of topics that aren't going to matter in about like two weeks. And now we actually can have some fun on this show. And uh, one of the things we're actually having a little bit of fun with is our favorite superhero movies. Because rumor has it, Dave Batista, that's right, Drax himself, the animal, wants to come back and work a full-time schedule. Now, Nick, man, like, I can admit this much. I know a lot of people shit on Batista, but... Man, how much fun was those last two Batista runs he actually had? Yeah, they were great. Honestly, you know, I am i don't know if I talked about it on this podcast. I'd have to go back and listen because I don't remember what we talked about in the, the lead-up to WrestleMania 30. Um, but I'm, I, I like Batista, man. I've always mm-hmm. been a, a, a pretty big Batista fan. Um, and the nice thing about it, too, is that, you know, he, he's this big, super, you know, muscular dude that a lot of people obviously put in the – you know, the, the vein of being Vince McMahon's like kind of like, you know, his perfect pro wrestler. So a lot of people think, you know, he kind of had the keys um, handed to him because of his look. And it's like, nah, man, this dude ha- put in the fucking work. And he's also just a student of the game. He loves the business and he loves the business for the right reasons, too. He, mm-hmm. he just loves being a performer in the ring. So when you look at, you know, guys that uh, have a vested interest in the business like yourself or I or a lot of the other people that we know, um, it's hard not to want to support this guy because, you know, he loves the business that we love and he does great things when he's in the ring and great things with the storylines that he's given. So, um, aside from actually just being a, you know, you know, one of the bajillion people that love guardians of the galaxy mm-hmm. and in particular loving the Drax character, I, I want to see him back because shit, dude, how many part-timers say, yeah, fuck it. You know, I want to work 300 days a year. I want to go on the road. I want to fucking, you know, do some house show stuff because I just, I love wrestling. I mean, we never hear that. No, no. You mostly hear, I want to come in, work with the big names, get my paycheck and leave. That's usually just how it goes there. Um, Definitely. And plus like the coolest thing about Batista, especially as a heel, he's so self-aware, you know, like give me my spotlight. I love that shit. The way when he quit, like I love that shit. You know, that's just, uh, that's just about it, man. You know, like, that that's yep. a cool thing. And there's so many new fresh matchups for him that, you know, it would be a really kind of cool thing to see him back in the WWE, especially at a time when they need, like, they possibly will need full-time star power on the road for the house show circuit. Jesse, you're touching the court again. You're you're blanking out. Oh, sorry about that. Uh, yeah. Are you still there? <laughs> yeah. All right, cool, cool, cool. So anyhow, um, we got that out of the way. That's going to be interesting to see where that really kind of goes there with Batista. And that brings up a really kind of cool, I don't know, like, Nick, you, you've you seen a lot of the superhero movies this year. Am I correct? Yeah. Yeah. Did you actually, hey, you're now, you're breaking up. 
Am I really? Stop yeah, it. You did for a second there. So, okay. okay, so of all the ones you got to see this year, you already said Gardens of the Galaxy Volume 2 is your favorite. Yeah. What was your least favorite? Oh, my God. <sighs> I don't have one, man. I think everybody's gotten to the point now where they just, I think good superhero movies are, oh, you know what? Was Suicide Squad this year? Or was that last year? Oh, uh, I think it was last year. Was it really? Yeah. Fuck. It was, was like last was summer. One on my ass. Yeah. But I don't know, man. I think a lot of superhero movies, and I wouldn't even say Suicide Squad was bad by any means. Yeah, you're right, 2016. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think a lot of times nowadays, these these superhero movies are pretty are pretty damn good. Um, I think it's hard not to um, not to enjoy what they have to offer. I think most, if if not all, the superhero movies that I've seen this year, I've I've been pleasantly pleasantly surprised with. So um, I don't honestly really have anything any bad things to say about any ones that came out. I don't know if if you think it's uh, have a, have a different story, but you know, I, I'm happy with everything I've been watching. Uh, especially, you know, I actually Jesse for the very first time, mm-hmm. I actually watched the very first Iron Man that uh, Marvel put together. Really. Uh, Last week, I sat down and I was like, you know, I've seen all the other movies. I've never watched the very first Iron Man, so You've I never fucking seen popped it. it in. Like at no, all? So I popped oh. it in, and uh, I was like, "Fucking good movie." All right, we yeah. continue on the the trend of having uh, um, good movies. Although I have not seen uh, Justice League, I've not seen that. Yeah, neither have I. I had actually got invited to watch Justice League, but I, at this point in time, I'd rather go see Thor. Re- you know, like I want to go see Thor first, you know, and like, I really, I'm not invested in the DC cinematic universe as I am right. maybe with the, the Marvel one. Maybe it's just a lot of, I don't know. Like I, I man of steel fucking ruined it for me. You know, I've been yeah, on record not... saying that, especially the last five minutes just kind of ruined it for me, but you know, you can always give the devil his due as well. Um, it was kind of interesting. Went out for the Black Friday sales, you know, late Friday night. You know, it was one of those things where I'd rather go out later on a Friday night than, like, early, like, Friday morning, you know, and, like, yep. the crowds right. and stuff. Because, like, honest to God, most of the time you can still find the same fucking deals on exactly. Saturday and Sunday. It's exactly. just, like, the madhouse as it is. So yep. I'm going through the movie bin over at Walmart. They do a very good job, like, just as a shout-out to them for keeping those fucking promo movies out there as long as possible, even though, like, yep. people, like, skim through them and pick them up apart. And I'm going through, and this one kid's, like, behind me, and he's like, oh, hey, they got the new Logan movie, Mom, stuff like that. Oh. Just, just like a fucking, like, you know, just like just a kid and his mom looking for good superhero movies. And I'm going through this thing, and I ended up finding Spider-Man Homecoming. They actually had it for, like, five fucking bucks in the bin, wow. and it was the only copy I saw. And I'm just like, hey, you want to get Spider-Man Homecoming? And I, he's like, oh, yeah, how much is it? I'm like, five bucks. He's like. Oh, hell yeah. You know, he gets it and stuff like that. Totally made the kid's day, you know. And it was just like one of those things, man. Like, I, I would have just kept it for myself, you know. I'm like, oh, man, Spider-Man. But it's just like, nah. This kid's going to have more fun watching it than me, you know. Yeah, yeah. Spider-Man Homecoming was really good. Logan was fucking awesome. Logan was another, really good. Another great movie there and, you know, kind of uh, progressing the story there a little bit. I think 2017 – was a fantastic year for superhero movies. Looking back on 2016, I think would be the year where we'd have more to discuss because I think 2016 is where we saw a lot of those DC movies that were kind of a little disappointing. You know, our Batman versus Superman was kind of disappointing. I, I, I really do think Suicide Squad was fairly disappointing that I think I mostly think thing- relied on mostly relied on like pop culture stuff. Um, so 
but yeah, I think this has been a very good year for superhero movies, and uh, you know, I'm I'm pretty pumped for the the Avengers the the new Avengers movie whenever that's supposed to come out, probably late 2018, I, uh, late 2018, I'd assume. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, I also have not seen Thor yet, but I've heard really, really, really good things too. Yeah, like the, the one negative I heard about Thor, which was uh, something that seemed really kind of ticky tacky, was just like the like the amount of humor in it. And it like it got me thinking, like, oh my fucking god, you're gonna complain about humor? You know, yep. of all the fucking things in a movie to complain about, you know, like plot holes, fucking fucking comic book movie. It's a comic book movie. It's supposed to be fucking fun. Holy fucking shit! Like, here's the one thing though. Yeah. Let's talk about this. Can I can I can I interrupt you real quick? Yeah, sure. So I did some reading on this, and I know that this is a wrestling podcast, but I'm enjoying talking about comic book movies. Uh huh. Um, I read some news on the the Sony's planned Venom movie. Mm-hmm. And from what I saw is there there are plans to make this one of your old flat fashion rated R movies and uh, that you know it's it's obvi- it's basically going to be it's basically going to be Venom versus Carnage. And I know that you hate Carnage. Yeah, I do. But uh, I just I'm I'm curious, you know, rated R, you know, um, I think they're probably going to do little to no mentioning of Spider-Man, which I think is really interesting because how can you have Venom and Carnage without Spider-Man? Um, but what do you think about that? What do you think about a rated R movie, Venom versus Carnage? Obviously, Carnage is kind of a character that I think benefits from having a, a um, you know, a rated, uh, an R rating. But uh, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, I, I feel like this personally, just for, uh, you know, similar like the, the 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 fanboys that might not necessarily read comics, um, this would be the, the kind of movie for them because of the rated R um, nature and then just because, you know, Venom is quite possibly one of the most uh, popular anti-heroes um, in, in comic book everything today. Well, a lot of that's got to be, you know, kudos to uh, probably Todd McFarlane for his character design in Venom, you know? Yep. Like, the the iconic white spider on the black suit. Like, a lot of people know that. But when I think of Venom versus Carnage, you know what I think of, Nick? What? Early 2000s independent pro wrestling, because both of those names are used like a motherfucker, and, like, a lot of people actually probably just wore those <laughs> costumes to the ring. That's just the way it goes. Um, those guys are going to fucking love that movie. Um, I think if you kind of do it, you know, if you do it right, which is always, like, the, the linchpin to any argument about anything, it's like, if you do it right. Um, yep. I think it's one of those things where if you can take the good aspects of Alien versus Predator, you add yes. a little tongue-in-cheek humor to it, and you really kind of stick with more of a horror vibe where yes. it's not just like straight up action. I think you can do some really cool things with that. Um, and kudos to Sony for thinking outside the box when it comes to the Spider-Man properties. There was also a report there might be doing Mobius, the living vampire. So that's actually okay. kind of interesting. Yeah. You do have like the Sinister Six. I think at some point in yep. time you can do a whole movie with like the Marvel villains in the vein of, like, Suicide Squad, but you do it with more humor. I think there's actually, like, especially if you do it with, like, the C-level villains, you know, like the fucking Beetle and shit like that, the Shocker. <laughs> I think that stuff would be really good, especially if they're really terrible at what they fucking do. Like, yep. they, they can't fucking rob banks together. They can't do that shit, and they got to go back to, like, their their wives who <laughs> suck and, like, all that stuff. So, like, it's just a really kind of a good like, feel-good, like, villain movie. I think you can really do that. Because, like, I think it's sometimes you take that mythology a little too serious and you take the fun out of it, you know? And yep. I, I, that almost sometimes might be the, the crutch that you run into with, like, the DC movies. But, you know, Wonder Woman was able to balance both mythology yeah, right. and the humor well and made it very humanizing. And actually, 
I almost feel bad that, you know, Wonder Woman had to be in fucking Batman vs. Superman and Justice League for her to actually get a solo movie, but that's a different story for a different day. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, you can do a lot of really kind of cool stuff like that, you know, and um, yeah. it's going to be interesting, you know, where both Marvel kind of goes, because, like, there's a lot of rumors that Avengers 4 is going to be, like, the end of what they're doing right now, and they're going to yep. clean slate thing going forward, which would be cool if they end up doing that, because... You know, there, there's only so far you can take these characters over the course of, like, 10 years, 15 years with the current cast that you have. And at some point in time, even Marvel themselves right now, when it comes to, like, their editorial, is doing the same thing. Um, Brian Michael Bendis, who's, like, one of the guys who's been there for fucking 17 years as a writer, he's jumping ship over to DC. So, and Axel Alonso, who's actually one of their editors-in-chief, a really pivotal figure for Marvel, especially, like, coming into their own there in the mid two thousands, like he's done as editor in chief. So you're seeing Marvel changing up a lot of different things. DC as a comic proper is actually doing very well right now. Um, their Batman shit is just like going through the roof right now. Um, if you get a chance, like those dark Knight metal, like that series is pretty fucking cool. They just released the, uh, the sequel to Watchmen called the doomsday clock. And that's kind of getting some positive reviews so far. And definitely it, it changes the game a little bit on their end. So it's going to be interesting because, like, most of these big events at some point in time will end up in some type of multimedia facet. And more than likely, right. like, five to ten years, we'll probably see them on screen. Yeah, that that's that's definitely something. To, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, Jesse, and yeah, it looks sure. like actually we're not looking at Avengers coming out until May of 2019, which is fucking ridiculous. Well, I um, mean, yeah, you know, it's 2019. You got Black Panther, man. Black Panther's going to rule. Yeah, yeah, that's definitely right. But correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't um um was it Iron Man that was supposed to died in the comics during the Civil War era? And then doesn't Captain America the one that dies when they battle Thanos? Am I am I correct in saying that or am I just shooting in the dark here? Um It's Civil War in the the first comic series, what they ended up doing was they they arrested Captain America at the end. Because he was the leader of the resistance. He didn't want to stand up for the superhuman registration thing. Right. And they ended up killing him off, you know, in quotes, in um, Captain America in his run at the time, the Ed Burbaker run, which is phenomenal. If you want to read some really good, like, 21st century Captain America stories, that's probably where to start. Um, but, no, like, with the whole Thanos thing, man, like, at one point he killed everyone. That's just the way it goes. True. You know, like, yeah. come on, man. Like, death in comic books is... It's just the beginning of something else, you know. It's just you bring a character back and stuff like that. But it's just it's just comic books, you know. So do you think we're gonna see every everybody die at the end of Avengers four? Everybody's just gonna be dead, and it's like okay. No, well, now no. we have a fresh slate. I I think you're gonna see like, you're definitely gonna see a lot of look, maybe the older guard, you know, maybe Captain America, maybe maybe an Iron Man for sure. You're going to see the old, old guard probably changing hands, and you're going to see more of, like, an emphasis on, like, like a Spider-Man, like a Black Panther, uh, like sure. those guys going forward, Doctor Strange, you know, Captain Marvel. They, they, there's some stuff there you can definitely really kind of do because you can, you can always freshen the pot and, you know, rotate in the heroes and villains that you want to do because that, that's just the nature of progressive storytelling. You know, it's you, you set up an older generation – to make way for a newer generation. That's that's like wrestling, man. Like, you got to have, like, the old guard put over the new guard so you can make the new guard. Yep, mm -hmm. definitely. 
Yeah, yep. you're definitely right. Yeah, I, I I don't know. Sure. Well, well, I think that's should... about it, Jesse. Is yeah. there anything else we gotta you wanted to talk about? Um, I think that should be it. Like, hey, if you get an opportunity, make sure you subscribe to Grapple Talk Network on your iTunes. Um, are we on the Stitchers? Are, uh, what is the, what the fuck is the Stitcher? What the fuck is Stitcher? I don't know I don't what that is. Just know. Look up Grapple look up Grapple Talk on the Facebookers, Grapple Talk Network. Otherwise, you can always follow us on uh, Twitter at the Grapple Talk. We tweet um, we tweet out the um, match results from match local result. indie shows. You know, like AC Riley, bless his heart. He's a road warrior now. Hashtag road warrior. He's going all over the places. He's getting the inside scoops on who's being who and stuff like that. Kudos to him. You know, he's keeping the Twitter alive while me and Nick are actually, you know, working our nine to five jobs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, no, but, uh, yeah, he's doing great work there. Otherwise you can search for us on iTunes, Podbean, uh, the grapple talk network. And we've got a lot of great shows. You know, we have, uh, the Ross family matters podcast. We talked about it at the beginning of the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're going to move forward and they just do, they do great stuff. They have great discussions. So they'll continue doing that. We have the Deach and dash podcast, Jordy Lee, um, does some great, um, kind of unique interview styles, which I think are very entertaining and, and great for really any listen, regardless if you're a wrestling fan or not. Um, we've got RGG regular guy gaming in which, um, Maru, Isaac, RGG, whatever you want to call him, has a ton of interviews banked up with some pretty, pretty, uh, notable gamers. So you'll definitely want to tune into that. And then we have the Riley factor, which, um, you know, a lot of people probably don't know this, but AC Riley is in the process of totally changing the format of his show. Oh, really? Uh, I, believe, I believe he'll be dropping the the his his newest episode. Um, I think it would have been the night probably before we released this episode. So, um, and it's gonna mostly be he's just gonna do reviews of shows with people that have been at the show the entire time. So, um, I think his latest episode he's gonna review the um. Legacy's uh, last show where they brought in uh, all the champions, the showcase of the champions. Um, and he does that with uh, Hotshot Scott Williams, a real good listen there. I listened to it. Uh, shout out to Hotshot and shout out to AC Riley, both obviously members of the Grapple Talk Network. And it's something different. And I think it's fun and it's a good way to spotlight kind of local independent wrestling and uh, kind of give shout outs to a lot of those really hard independent workers that otherwise don't have a name. So, uh, lots of fun stuff happening on the Grapple Talk Network. So as always, you know, stay up to date by everything. And uh, you know, th- uh, we obviously, you know, greatly appreciate the support. I told Alex this the other day, AC Riley this the other day. But goddamn, dude, we're the most topical show, and I'm pretty sure we're the least popular. So fuck. <laughs> that is definitely true. But you know, maybe maybe the Riley Factor's got to switch up the name of the show. You know. You don't like the Riley Factor? Well, think about it. You know, he's not the fucking like the star of the show. You know, like there's not interviewing people. He's like reviewing shows now. So like maybe come up with a, maybe call it like uh hot shot in the territory or some bullshit, you know? Riley reviews. How about that? Riley reviews. I don't know. I'm not, I've never been one the good one to come up with names. Although I did come up with grapple talk. That was my brainchild. Yeah, man. And, and that, that's, that's the high watermark right there. And now, and now it's, and now look how big it is. Yeah, it's the least popular fucking podcast on the the network, so. <laughs> hey, it's still called the Grapple Talk Network. We're still the flagship, man. Yeah, no shit, right? We're still, we're still, we're still the OGs. I mean, we, we started this. Yeah, we got old you know? balls. We got the old balls of the uh, podcasting family now. Yep. Yeah, we do. We have the old balls. The old balls that are unwilling to change their ways and try new things and just want to talk about wrestling and have fun with their friends and don't give a shit how popular it is. Basically, yeah. Cool. All right. So before we go today, obviously, as we do with every episode, it is time for last minute love advice from 
Jesse Von Rudin. Jesse, what do you have for us this All week, right. bud? Last-minute love advice. Here it is, basically. <clears throat> Rome wasn't built oh. in a day. Okay, there you go. That That's basically it. Sometimes, you know, you fall into something, and it seems like it works really quick. But you know what? That's very much like a wildfire. It'll burn for a while, and then it just kind of dissipates. You have to put the time in for the relationships that actually matter in your life. I like it. Yeah. And then Good you have, to, cr- and then you have to break out of jail and like crawl through like two miles of shit. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Sounds awful. Shawshank Redemption, dude. Yeah, I know. Yeah. By the way, I watched the the first Alien movie, 1979, Ridley Scott's Alien. Yeah, really good I fucking watched movie. I it for the first time. Yeah. Uh, last, last night. The first night that I ever watched it. Yeah. And uh, I'll tell you what. It's a fucking good movie. Yeah. You know what the worst part is, man? Have you watched what? the new Aliens movie yet? Aliens Covenant? Yes, I have. Same fucking director. Fucking that movie sucks. You don't like Alien Covenant? I didn't like it. Yeah, it's not. I'll admit, it is nowhere close as good as the old one. But honestly, I don't really mind it. But I think part of that, too, is that uh, Zari hates horror movies. And mm-hmm. I really don't watch horror movies at all. So now when I get to watch them, I think all of them are really good. Yeah. Well, a lot of them are pretty good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, but I, I don't know when the last time I watched a horror movie was. I don't I don't know if I consider Get Out to be a horror movie. I think I don't I don't think that's. Well, apparently, uh, was it got nominated for was it the Golden Globes and they actually stuck it in the humor category? Yeah, that's weird. Now that's, that's weird. Fucked. That's fucked. Yeah, because yeah, that's a that's a horror movie. Yeah. Yeah, right. But yeah. Okay. Well, uh, that's it for this week on Grapple Talk. Jesse, why don't you sign us off? All right. Bitch. But you just call me a bitch? No. <laughs> yeah, All I right. did. Yeah, you did. All right, cool. Uh, peace out, everyone. Uh, you've been listening to the Grapple Talk. Couldn't have said it better myself.